kind of funny because uh, the real reason I made the video was because I wanted to get out of work that night. But I'm just kidding. No, I didn't. Um, yeah, it was a really fun night. But I think, honestly, I'm going to start this, to be honest, in a, in a way that's probably slightly different. Because I think so often when you come to church or you come to you know, any kind of form of gathering, sometimes you can look at someone who's maybe at the front and leading or whatever else, and you can go, and you actually, it's almost like this like scale appears, and you put yourself beside that scale or whatever you think is perfect or better or good. And I'm actually going to be honest and open and tell you, I had a bad week. I had a rough week. Like, I felt like in my heart and work, I just felt tired. I felt like, you know, it, it wasn't all bad. It wasn't all bad. There was a lot of good parts, but there was some parts of it, especially in work, and I felt like God continually, like, drawn me in, like, drawn me in. Like going like, it's like the whisper, like, hey, I want to spend time with you. Hey, come in. And I was running and running and running. And he was like, come in. And there was one day in work, I found out that I, I didn't even know this, but I found out I had a 30-minute break. I was taking 15 minutes, and they were laughing. I didn't even know I had 30 minutes. So I found out I had 30 minutes, so I was like, so I, I sat down, and um, I just had my lunch, and like I opened, I found a little NIV Bible, I opened it up, um, and I started to read just some of the stuff that Jesus says in John 15, 16, 17, just reading it. And I am not a joke. And I felt like the word of God just like wash over my life. Literally, it was just washing over me. And it's funny, as I was sitting there, I was like, I started to read when this beautiful moment when Jesus turns around to Peter. You know, he turns around to all the disciples because he's just fed the 5,000. And he says this really hard stuff about I'm the bread of life. And a lot of people don't understand him. And so all these people turn and walk away. And he turns to the disciples and he says, are you going to leave? Like, are you going to go? And Peter says this beautiful thing that just wrecked me. I was in a busy cafe, and I just was in the corner, like, sobbing my eyes out. Peter turns around and says, Jesus, where would we go? You hold the words of eternal life. And there's something powerful. There's something powerful when we center ourselves into the place where, because sometimes life's busy and life can catch us off guard. I'm sure we're all ready for the Christmas break. I know for sure I am. But that, if you, if you strive to that place looking for the rest, like, you might have it for a while, but it'll be a continual cycle of looking for rest, getting burnt out, looking for rest, getting burnt out. But the thing that I want to share, like, it's really close to my heart today, is this place of living as a child of God and what that actually looks like. And what does it look like to live as a child? Because, you see, I think so often sometimes, like, especially when, it, you know, maybe we get saved or we find out about God and become a Christian, we just think that, you know, we're just living a normal life. And I'm just a Christian saved by grace. But... The thing that's on my heart right now, and, and I guess the revelation that the Lord's been walking me in the last two years is, it goes beyond. It goes so much deeper, and the Word's full of it. And so, yeah, we're on the series of At The Movies, um, and as Peter went from this morning, we're, we're on Elf. And so, uh, yeah, I've got a clip to start, and so we'll stick it up. <laughs> I love that film. But it's funny because Buddy is actually on this journey. If you, if you don't know the story, you're bound to know the story. Basically, Buddy discovers that he's not an elf, surprisingly, because he's huge compared to all the elves. And so he goes on this journey. Basically, it's a journey to try and figure out who he actually is. And like, it's funny because as I, we, we were talking about what film we were doing, and this, this, as I said, this message, living as a child of God, was something that just like, you know when like God like, hits you with something, like God puts something in your heart, and it's like you can't run from it. And like, it was just overwhelming, this, this reality of what it is to live as a son. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to start. Jesus, right now we just need you, Father. Because this is all about you, God. Everything that we do. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand. And I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would just bring a new revelation. That you would just bring a new revelation of, of who you are. And in turn, who we are. As children of the Most High. In Jesus' name. Amen. I was at a, 
there was one time I was at a, this, it's called Home Fellowship, it's in Belfast, it's like a worship night. Um, and I remember, it was really random, I didn't, somehow certain friends that I have in my life, I end, up in, I end up ending up in really random places, and this was one of them. I'd never heard about it before until this night. And I was in with like all the, I guess, the leaders, and they were praying. Um, and I remember it was a circle, and they were just kind of praying around, and this girl started to pray. And she said, in the prayer, she referred to Father as Daddy. And in one single moment, one word just wrecked me. In that moment, I've, I'd actually never heard someone praying. Because, you know, like, when you, sometimes you, you grow up through church and you grow up through Christianity, you know, it's, it's always like praying is kind of, it's, we see it as maybe something that we've got to say the right words or we've got to string the right things together. But this moment, this, she was praying anyway, and she said, Daddy. And what happened in that moment was a revelation that goes beyond because sometimes we think God's like this really far like out being. But in that moment as she prayed, I, I sensed the realness of God's nearness. The sense that Father is so close. and It was just incredible. And so we're actually going to read from um, Romans 8. Romans 8, 14 to 17. And this is actually my, to be honest with you, the whole of Romans 8 is probably my favorite passage in the entire Bible. I feel like it's, it's one of those things that I, I keep on reading and God consistently teaches me something. So I like read it like, four or five times the same verse, and the sixth time I go to it, I'm like, I never saw that. What on earth? And it's amazing. So we're going to read from um, Romans 8. And actually, before we do, it's important to know context behind this chapter because the letter of Romans itself is like this beautiful, heartfelt letter that Paul is writing to the believers in Rome. He loves them. He's passionate about them. And he's writing this letter in a pastoral context. And in order to understand this, what we're about to read, in order to understand this, we need to understand that it's joined with Romans 7. So Romans 7 is kind of talking about sin and the weight of sin and like the, the, the weight that that causes. And, and then Paul begins Romans 8 by saying, but therefore you're no longer under condemnation. So there's a shift, and it's important that we get that going into this. So Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. I want to sit on that just for a second. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, are children of God. See, there's this, this crazy thing when we follow Jesus, when we follow God, that His Spirit, and sometimes we get overwhelmed by the thing, that, you know, the term Holy Spirit. And I would encourage you to, to read through John 15 and 16 because Jesus just lays it out beautifully. He says, because he senses that the disciples are getting really discouraged because they're like, why are you leaving? We have literally like followed, we've followed you our whole life and now you're leaving. Why, why would you do that? And so he senses that they're discouraged. And so he turns around and he, he brings this message of the Holy Spirit that's coming and the Spirit that is going to be himself inside of us. Like, it's like Jesus is saying, I'm actually going to do one better. I'm going to actually now come in and be in you and occupy you. And so being led by the Spirit, because previously in Romans 8, Paul is talking about how our flesh is dead. Like our flesh is it's dead. But the Spirit is what gives us life. And the Spirit is the very thing that leads us into this place as a child of God. And so here... Paul talks about, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. There's this insane thought and, and realization that I had is that God actually is desiring to, to pull us into nearness and give us a piece of his mind. And why does he do that? So that we never give people a piece of ours. That's the reality of walking as a son. That's the reality of walking in sonship. Jesus says in John 15, he talks about, about revealing himself and he says that, that I no longer, like a master does not confide in his servants, but a friend in a friend. 
And the flip side, and, and sometimes sin and can keep us in this place that I'm a Christian, I've been saved by grace, but I'm still a lousy Christian. I'm still this loser who keeps making mistakes and can never get it right. When Jesus actually turns around to his disciple and says, you're my friend. You've been, brought, you've been brought into friendship. And so here Paul is kind of given that revelation of being led by the Spirit. But notice this. Back in that verse 14, he says, for those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. There was, uh, it was two years ago, we, me and my friend, we went on a Erasmus, which is a study abroad, and we were living in Budapest, and kind of like, traveling all over the place, and it was kind of a really weird experience, because the two of us had no idea what we were doing, but God just kind of kept opening doors, and things kept happening, and one of the things that happened was we ended up in this place in Croatia, it was really remote. I actually made a mistake, to be honest, because I booked the wrong accommodation, and so I end, we ended up really far out of the city to where we wanted to be, but um, we ended up in this remote place anyway, and long story short, what ended up happening was God blew our minds. We came across like four or five young people from this region and God put a vision on our hearts to, to run like a football tournament and basically share Jesus. He basically, God told us that the fields here are ripe for harvest. So go ahead. I've opened it up and I'm desiring to move. And so we, about a month later, came back and ran a football tournament and we had a big sign in Croatian, which was Jesus to volley, which translated just means Jesus loves you. And we found in this community that no one actually had ever heard the truth. Like they'd, they'd been brought up in religion, but they'd never actually heard the truth of Jesus. They'd never actually heard this simple message, Jesus loves you. And honestly, those three words on that board, we honestly just watched how it penetrated heart after heart after heart. There was one kid in particular, and he, I was a referee, and I'm an awful referee, but I was refereeing anyway, and this kid was giving me so much jip. And you know when you're just like, can't hit him, he's too young, but... And that also, it was frustrating the life out of me. But anyway, the next day later, we went back and played again. He was there again, and I was like, flip six, here we go. But this crazy thing happened, because he came over to me and he said, I just want to say I'm, I'm really sorry. Like, I'm sorry that I was acting like that yesterday. And I was like, mate, don't apologize, it's fine. Don't, don't worry about it. And he opened up, he was like, I, I've, never told, I've never told actually anybody this, but like a couple of months ago, like, I've really been struggling with depression. See, my dad passed away, and I've been walking in this place of depression. He just like went full, like, God, like, I was like, what on earth? I did not see it coming. And I just told him, I just told him about Jesus. But he was talking about the sign. And he said those three words. He's like, when I read them, they hit me like I'd, I'd never felt before. And I was just explaining what it's like and what it is to come to God and what it is to be a child of God. And then went home. And about three days later, he texted me saying, he texted me in the middle of the night, it's like 3.30 a.m. He's like, I just want to let you know that at 3.40, something really specific, he's like, I give my life to Jesus. See, that's the reality. That's the reality of being brought into sonship is that you're actually free from you. That's the biggest release you can ever have in your life is you've been set free from you. And so Paul is saying that if you're led by the Spirit, you're children of God, you're named. It's like, it's like there's a little stamp saying son of God, daughter of God, boom, it's on your head. And the devil comes and Jesus describes the devil as the father of lies. And so he comes and goes, did God really say that? No, he didn't. You're a loser. You mess up all the time. But the reality of your sonship or the reality of living as a child is that this name, this title, child of God, it never leaves. It's actually a fixed promise. And it's guaranteed by the fact that God's actually come and made his home inside of you. And then fast forward again, the story of Croatia. We, we flew back in May last, yeah, May just passed. And uh, we just wanted to check up and see what was going on. And um, there was a there was a lady, we got invited to this house, and she was kind of an elderly lady, and I, it was weird because we were eating, the whole time we were having the meal, and like, I, you're, sitting, you're sitting there, like, God, what are you, what are you doing? Like, I, 
I don't know where to go from this because it's really formal and I don't do well in formal situations. But uh, it was really formal and there was a guitar in the corner of the room and somehow this, this guy randomly said to me, oh, like, do you want to play? So I was like, you know, you know when like, you feel straight away, God, God's on the move, like, boom. And I was like, yeah, sweet. So I started to play and I bear in mind, none of these guys, they're not, they don't know Christian songs. They don't really, it's, it's religion. And in a lot of those parts of Europe, it's just religion. It's just like, it's just what you're brought up. You're a Christian, blah, blah, blah. It's just, you know, it's tough and it's difficult, but, and God's really doing some amazing things there. But, um, so we're in this house, I picked the guitar up, start playing. Like, I don't even know what I was playing. And I was just playing. And then the Holy Spirit was like, sing Reckless Love. And I was like, yes. Started playing Reckless Love. And this guy, Dominic, was a younger guy my age. He was sitting there and, and he was like, he was really intrigued by it. And then he again got up the lyrics and he's reading the lyrics. Um, a funny story, the dog, they had a big fat dog, comes into the house, into the living room, just fell asleep. And I was like, spirits here, come on. Dog's out, peace. <laughs> just joking. But no, it was a really powerful encounter. But we were leaving and we were praying. We were praying for the, 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 the guys in the house and the lady. And the Lord said to me to name her as a child of God. And so I was like, Dominic, can you translate? So we were praying. And I just said like, this lady's like, she's, older. And I said to her, um, hey, I just feel like God wants you to know, one, number one, you're beautiful. <laughs> and you're a child of God. And she broke. This is a woman of respect. Like, you, you don't get any more women. Like, close to, like, she's close to the queen on that level of, like, respect. She just broke. See, when it hits your heart, when the reality and the realization hits your heart that being led by the Spirit, you're children of God. So verse 15, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now, we call him Abba Father. You see, some of, we were talking about the enemy being a liar and how he lies and distorts. See, the enemy actually can't create. The enemy can't create. He just distorts. So it's the same when, like, the very beginning of time when God makes the tree and says to Adam and Eve, yo, don't eat, don't eat this. And along comes the devil and says, did God really say that? See, it's a similar theme. It's a similar theme consistently throughout your life. Like, it was the same when Jesus was tended in the desert, in the wilderness. It's, it's cast in doubt. If you do this, this, and Jesus responds, get away from me. Get away from me. I don't live by that. It's the same in our lives. It's the same when God calls us in as, a, as when, he, when he brings us into this place of adoption, the enemy comes along and goes, you're an orphan. You don't know your dad. Dad doesn't know you. I was talking about the, the moment when that, that girl had prayed, Daddy. Because what actually hit me in that moment was, it wasn't really what she was saying. It was the more of the fact that she knew who she was. I was actually remember ch- chatting to Marta one day after church, and she really encouraged me. I was a mess, just crying. I cry a lot. I don't know, it's, I don't know what it is. But it comes to God, just a mess. And she was praying, and, or she was speaking to me and praying, but she was saying that, you know, your parents give you a name, so you're Matthew. I don't run around every day and go, my name is Matthew, my name is Matthew, my name is Matthew. Flip, what's my name? Matthew, Matthew. And in a way, God's given you a name. When you're, brought into, when you're adopted into sonship, when you're adopted as a child of God, when you become a Christian, you're named. You're a child of God. You're loved. But the enemy comes along and he goes, no, nah, you're not, you're not, you loser. You'll never make it, you'll never make it. It's time to realize individually in our own lives that God's not just interested in your worship. 
He's not just interested in the moments when you come together and you really feel God move, or the moments when you come away and go, whoa, church is great. There's my headphones away. I'm just going to take this out, actually. He's not just interested in the moments when you, you really feel like worshiping. He's interested in every single thing. And the Monday morning when you wake up, you're a child of God. The Tuesday afternoon when you're really fed up with work and you're like, is it five o'clock yet? You're a child of God. It's the mundane. It's every second. It doesn't stop. Like there's no point when it's like a light switch. Because I feel like sometimes with Christianity, that's what it's like. And it's hard because we get distracted. We're like, you know, like a dog and ball. We're like, it's honestly, I do it all the time. Like I said, I had a bad week. And that's why I think it's important. I'm going to wreck this thing. I think it's important to be honest. I think it's important to be real because sometimes, like I said, you can look at someone at the front and go, he's got it all together. What are like, what, what he saying? He, he knows his stuff. I don't, right? But I just believe that I'm a child. Every second when I feel like I just could not be bothered singing worship or I, I couldn't be bothered getting up this morning, the truth still remains that I'm a child. And, and the more that sinks into your heart, the more overflow comes and then comes ministry. Then comes life. Because if you flip it, and we're going to talk about that in a second, if you flip it the other way around, burnout happens. Because you're striving and you're striving and you're striving. If only I did that better, if only I sang that song way better, then maybe people will be led into an encounter. When it's actually the Holy Spirit on your life, it's actually God in you that transforms. It's the Holy Spirit. It's what God has promised to give. He said, peace I will give you. A peace that passes all understanding. And it's present and it's here. And so let's roll the second clip. And I actually chopped the clip there because the next clip, the dad turns around and says, do you know what would make me really happy if you took that outfit off? And he pulls his trousers down. So I was like, ah, I'll play that. Let me leave that. But living as a child of God is your fixed identity. But how do you do that? What does that look like? See, the thing about Buddy is, because he never really knew his father, he doesn't know his father. He's like, runs a million, you actually can hear it in his talk, and he's like, and see when you live as an orphan, see when you live not knowing your father, that's, that's what you're like. Well, maybe I did this better, maybe I do this, maybe that. and God's like, yo, stop. I want to tell you who you are. Because when you begin to figure out who God is, then he speaks life as to who you are. See, a father speaks to his child and speaks life. Why? Because the father wants the child to start to see himself as the father sees him. It's not like a fake building up. It's like, I see this in you, and I'm trying to call it out, and I want you to see how I see you, and that's the same with our heavenly father. And so let's, let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and this is, this is incredible. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostril, and the man became a living person. See, I was actually chatting to, it was actually Kiel's dad one time, I was chatting to him, and he was saying that one of the things that he feels in Northern Ireland, and it's so true, is that, especially with Christianity, is that the Bible begins in Genesis 3, when sin comes in. And so you, you get saved, and you come back to this, I'm still a sinner, you know, by grace, and I'm still sinning, and there's this mindset, it's a mindset thing, because the reality is we do make mistakes, that is the truth. But it's a mindset, it's not knowing, it's living as an orphan, not knowing your father, when actually, this is the first encounter God had with man. And it's really cool because I was studying, studying into it and uh, the, I didn't know this, but there's actually two different Hebrew words that's used for creation. So when God is creating and uh, like the environment and he's, he's sending lights and there's lights and he's sending you know, trees and the trees and he's speaking things into being. Um, and that, um, excuse my pronunciation of Hebrew here. Dad, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. 
but, uh, or Mark. <laughs> um, the word, I think it's bara, bara, yeah. It means to come into being. So it means God speaks something and boom, it's there, right? But notice this, because the word in, that God is actually using here and when he's creating man is slightly different. And the Hebrew word is yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks. Yes, sir. And that word means formed. You see, we've got to understand that walking in relationship with Jesus, walking in sonship, walking as a child of God is walking to the place where there's complete intimacy. Here is the Father, and at this point, I don't really know what we're like, like a little mound of dust, and I have no idea what that, what that even looks like. But God breathes life. He breathes life into his possession. The thing that he's created, and boom, something comes up. And it makes so much sense, because you think Jesus went to the cross because he saw something valuable. God sees. Because here's the thing. God didn't actually have to create. He was already in perfect love, like Father, Son, Spirit, all just in perfect love. So he didn't actually need to create to receive anything because he'd fully received everything he had. He already had it all. But yet he creates right in the middle us. (laughs) And the important thing is, because we're going to move on to the next, because then later, Genesis 2 15, then God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. See, there's this awesome thing in the kingdom of God of serving, and there's this amazing thing of, of living a life and literally being an ambassador. I actually recently was at a worship night, and the guy was talking about ambassador, and it actually hit me like, we're caught, we use this phrase, oh, I'm an ambassador of Jesus, but do we actually know what that means? Like, do we actually get what that means? So like, if an ambassador is to walk in somewhere, literally the space around that person is the king represented, literally. Like, it, it doesn't get any more crazy. Like, even if you think of an embassy, if, if another nation's to walk into an embassy, it's an act of war because it's literally a representation. So here Jesus is calling us out to be an ambassador. We're called out by Paul to be this ambassador for Christ. Physical representation of the living king. But it comes after our being. It comes after who we are. It comes as the foundation as a child of God. God breathed into our lives. He breathed into our little nostrils and we came alive in intimacy. We were created in love. We were created in affection. And if you flip it all the other way around, if you do before you be, like I said, you'll burn out because you're constantly striving. You never, you never really, really know who you were. You never really knew your creative purpose. And Paul is talking about you're, you're adopted into sonship. You live a life led by the Spirit. You're not just a boring old Christian. When you walk into your workplace, when you walk into school, when you walk down the street in Portadown or Kilkeel or wherever you're from, you're an ambassador. The living king is moving and alive. And the sooner we get that, there's, there's this thing, I was a friend of mine, and he always said to me, there's power in the yes. There's power in your yes. Because you may not have all the answers, like you may not have it all together, but even simply waking up and going, yes, God, here I am. Being before doing, that's why it's called the be attitudes, because it's who I be. It's what I live every day. Like that, that's, that's what we're called to do. It's who we're called to be, and from that, we do. From that, we live a life that's desiring to see people see it, because here's the thing. I always think about this, but the first beatitude is blessed are those who realize their need for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, right? And then I, I was thinking about Solomon. So God comes to Solomon and goes, Solomon, what do you want? What is it that you want? And Solomon goes, I desire wisdom that I could govern your people. 
See, in that initial moment, Solomon actually fulfilled the first beatitude because Solomon actually realized his need. And God turned around and goes to him, sweet, take wisdom, take it all, actually. Take the kingdom. Because the moment that you're open, the moment you say yes to God, it's honestly, like, we cannot create experiences. We cannot, it is all about him. It's all about him moving. And it's always been about him moving. It's always been about, I, I sometimes get this picture of, like, heaven, just, like, the angels roaming and just looking for spots that are open and go, yeah, let's join in there. They're open. Let's join in. Yo, let's, let's, where's people open? Because it's so easy for us to like get caught up and build like, stru- like, like structure's important and we've seen that here where it's, it's really coming alive and church structure's important but sometimes in our own lives we take God, box, 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 box. God's in all these compartments. I'll open this little box today and I'll open this little box and sometimes I just picture God going poof. See your box, chuck it out the window because I'm bigger than that. And see you, I love you, so much so that I died for you. So much so that I will never stop going after you. I will never stop until you finally get it, that you're my son, that you're my daughter. It doesn't get any real. It doesn't get any more real than that. I'm, right, I'm winding up, but another example that I was thinking about as well, like look at King David, right? I always ask the question, what the flip did David find in the fields? Because you had Solomon who came to town and he's going through all the, you know, all the things that he, he, the guys he thinks is meant to be king. And God goes, nope, nope, nope. And Solomon's like, well, this guy's like buff. He's like ripped. Like, he should be, a, he's the king. God's like, nope. And then there's this beautiful, and I think this, if we get this, like living, living in sonship, living as a child, if we understand this heart of God, it's the foundation to everything. Because Samuel, actually, the Bible talks about Samuel when he, comes to, when he comes to town, the chief priests are all like, they're shaking. They're, so that just shows you how close to God Samuel actually is. Because the chief priests and all the people in the town, they're freaking out. Why the heck Samuel here? What have we done wrong? So he's, this guy's in touch with God, but even Samuel has to have this moment where he sits down with God and God says to him, yo, man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. I look at the heart. That's the only thing I'm interested in. So you've got David, who's been kicked out. He's not even invited. Like, all these big dogs are here, and they're supposed to be the king, and I'm, you know, I just picture the scene as I must be right. Sam is like, unfortunately, you're not. I'm listening, and he's just saying you're not. And just next, 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 next. And the next thing, David, who's not even invited, I, I think in my own personal life, if I wasn't invited to that, I'd be sitting in the field so insecure. Like, my family don't even want me to be there. Nobody wants me around. I, like, what the flip? I'm always in these fields. No one comes and says hello. God says to Samuel, go get David. David arrives. And the Bible says David's face is glowing. What on earth? Like this isn't a guy that's struggling with insecurity. This isn't a guy struggling with fear. The Bible says his face is glowing. So what the flip did he find? Sorry for saying flip. What did he find? What did he find in the field? I'll tell you what he found. Because God turns around and says, this is a man that's after my heart. This guy. He's been out in the fields all this time, and he's been sitting, getting to know me. This is who I am. David, I'll tell you a revelation. So then we open the Psalms, and God goes, and, and David starts writing, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And these revelations that you're sitting going, this is poetry, literally poetry. But it's real and it's raw. And he also has encounters where, God, where are you? I don't see you. It sounds like a relationship, right? Because it is. He's in a relationship. And that's the person that God goes right, you're king. And so, winding up, living as a child of God, buddy here didn't know his father. 
And the biggest thing that the enemy will try and do your life is you will run around all your life never knowing who your father actually is. But when you read the word, when you open it, some people always go, I don't, I don't hear God, right? I can't hear him. Like, how, do you, how the flip does all these encounters happen and you're talking about this and I don't hear him? Well, I'll tell you where to hear him. It's right here. And you know what? He will speak to your life. God speaks. He's always speaking. He'll speak to specific moments. But it's here. And I said way at the start, like, Peter gets it. You hold the words of eternal life. So if you don't know who you are, if you realize, you know what, this rejection thing, this whole thing of being an orphan, never actually got it, go to Romans 8. And when you open it, don't just jump in and go, I'm going to study this as well. Open it and go, Holy Spirit, here I am. I have no clue. Help me. Ask Father. It doesn't get any more real living as a child of God. And so, um, there's actually, there's this, let me find it. There's this bit of scripture that I actually just want to read over you guys right now. If I can find it. Yeah. I, I always, I, I don't know, I just always you know, turn into this. But it's powerful. Actually, sorry, there's, a, there's one final clip, or one final slide, I remember. Is, yeah, there we go. Jeremy Riddle, worship leader, says, I've discovered in life there's actually nothing more powerful than a purity of heart because from that place flows effortless power. And power comes from the position of your heart, your yes. That is where power comes from. It comes from God. It comes from being, realizing your need and your faith to step out of the boat and follow God into life as his child. It comes from realizing, firstly, who God is. Here is, this is who God is, almighty, holy, and now what does he say about me? I want to read this. This is in Second uh, Corinthians 6. Um, and Paul's talking about being a temple of the living God. Church, being a temple of the living God. And individuals. For we are a temple of the living God, as God said. I will live in them. I will walk among them. <laughs> I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch the filthy things and I will welcome you. I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. If you want to know who you are and if you're waiting for the voice of the Lord to come into your life, it's there. God says he will walk among us, says the Lord Almighty, full stop. Love it because it's like, boom, promise, not changing. There's no comma. The sentence doesn't continue. Fact. And that's what it is to live in sonship. And I want to just encourage you with, with a final thought or, or maybe something to try. If you're, if you're in a place and you're thinking to yourself, sounds great, Matthew, sounds unreal, but I just can't. I, like, I just, it's not clicking. I don't get it. Firstly, learn what it is to be in the secret place with God. Learn what it is to sit with him and not just read the Bible so that you've got good knowledge, so that you can stand up here and quote all the scriptures so you look unreal. Because honestly, most of the verses, even in my life, I don't even know where they're from, but they've just stuck in my heart. Because I actually, Kayla's going to laugh here, because I hate books. I hate them. I don't like reading, but I love that book. It's for your heart. And from your heart, then God, it goes into your head. Because God has given us a brain to think and rationalize and study, but it starts in the heart. If you read Proverbs 2, it says, wisdom enters your heart, and joy will be the overflow. See, the wisdom that God gives is, boom, it's to penetrate your heart. And so, Thought or challenge, I guess. Um, I heard this in a podcast and it terrified me, but I did it. 
and the guy was basically saying is open a page, right? Open a page, and on one side of the page, just write down all the things that God is. Go, just write it down like holy, almighty, Lord. Just all these names, beautiful, whatever it is in your heart, right? Turn the page over, and then go, right, God, your turn. And let him tell you who you are and who he's made you to be and start writing down the things that God's doing in your life. Because so many people go to me, I haven't got a purpose. I don't know what I'm doing. I do that sometimes. Well, where's my life going? And when you actually sit down in a place and you still yourself and remember things that people have called out in you, you know, if you don't hear things in in the moment, just remember moments when someone's come into your life and went, you're really good at X, Y, and Z. Write it down. There was something that my friend inspired me to do it was a couple of years ago, we started a journal. Started a journal, like prayers. And in many ways, that's kind of what David does in Psalms, kind of journals. Like, today I'm not feeling it. Today I'm scared. Today I love you. You know, it's a relationship. Um, so yeah, we're going to go into that time of worship, but I'm just going to pray. Um, and then, Bill. Holy Spirit. Jesus, you promised that you'd be present always, even though we don't feel it or see it. But God, right now, I just ask that we would begin to see who we are in you, that we would begin to see who you are. And from that place of living as a child of God, from that place of living in full confidence of who you say you are and who you say I am, there'd be overflow. That we'd start taking you for your word of what you're saying, that there'll be peace. That in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome it. Jesus, help us. It's, there's so often we build our little plans and our little structures and climb these ladders and try to go to these places. And sometimes you're like, yo, come down. Just sit with me for a while. Help us, Jesus, to do that because it's easier said than done. We need you, Father. Even as a church in this community, Jesus, we need, we need, need, need you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.